loving God who made the world in seven days and on the seventh day rested, whose son was very busy but went away from time to time to find rest. We ask that you be with us in our discussion this morning about rest and Sabbath and that even now, in this very moment, that you would grant us the peace that passes all understanding. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, So my husband Chris and I live in the church-owned Georgetown apartment um, right across the street from Rose Park. And, you know, the synagogue, Kesher Israel, is just a few blocks away. And so on Friday evenings and on Saturday mornings when I'm standing in my kitchen, which I do a lot of dishes and cooking in the kitchen, um, I always notice around sundown, um, I see the families and folks walking. I recognize them because of their kippahs um, towards the synagogue. And then around, again, on Saturday morning, walking towards the synagogue. And then like yesterday when I was out in the neighborhood, I saw them all coming home after the Saturday Shabbat services. And every time I see these faithful, observant Jews, I think I have to admit there's just a little bit of, I don't know what else to call it, but spiritual envy, spiritual jealousy of this beautiful practice. I mean, how many of us have friends who are Jewish or know people who are observant Jews that practice Shabbat? Um, Just curious. Yeah. Um, It is a beautiful practice and one that obviously we do not have as Christians. Um, An interesting note about those walking to the synagogue, um, perhaps you know, perhaps you don't, that um, in Jewish observance of, of Sabbath, there, is, um, there are four different basic categories of um, activities that one should refrain from. Do you all know what those are? They're um, work, carrying, traveling, and starting a fire. And so from these four basic categories, the rabbis over time ended up finding 39 different prohibitions of against work, things that we shouldn't do, that Jews shouldn't do on Shabbat, on Sabbath. Um, well, part of the complex Jewish law is that people are not supposed to transfer an object from a private domain to a public domain. So that they, I mean, you can find pages and hundreds and hundreds of pages about this one prohibition. But basically what it's boiled down to is that, like, for example, if you're, if you're walking a stroller, you, it, you're not allowed to push that stroller from a private domain to a public domain. And that creates an issue, a problem for Jews who live in a city like Washington, D.C., who want to go to Shabbat services, but they have a child and they can't push the stroller. So what, um, in the wisdom of Jewish tradition, they have come up with is this um, idea of an eruv, which is, um, the, the word means blending or intermingling, and at its most basic, it is blending, it is putting together a larger, like a boundary around a certain amount of, like a neighborhood, so that that whole area is designated as a private space. So basically all of downtown D.C., any part of D.C. that you can imagine that's um, within walking distance of this synagogue on 28th Street in Georgetown is part of basically one private domain. And that's also, I think, 
quite beautiful because it, you know, we can see the focus on community um, even more, you know, Sabbath, Jewish, I think part of what is so beautiful about Jewish observance of Shabbat is that emphasis on community. You know, there is a rhythm in this Jewish life that um, it's irresistible and it's undeniable. And I wonder if we're, you know, the, we've got the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Do not steal. We've got those down pretty well. We know that they are ethical injunctions that we're not going to break. So why is it that when we are told, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, we don't take it as seriously? It's just not something that we see as um, an ethical or moral imperative in our spiritual lives. Um, the Jews seem to have gotten that down. So why, why the difference? Um, so we're going to spend some time talking about the history of Sabbath observance in Jewish tradition. We'll talk about it in Christian tradition, and hopefully we'll bring it back around to um, how we might observe Sabbath in our own lives. Um, I have to say, I'm obviously no expert in Sabbath observance. I probably struggle with it just as much or more as you all. Um, I've done some basic research on the differences between these two faiths, um, so I hope that together, the, the collaborative efforts of your wisdom and my wisdom, we might um, reach some interesting conclusions or at least some um, new ideas about what Sabbath is and why it really might be a moral imperative. Um, so beginning with a brief history and a description of the Jewish Shabbat, uh, there are if you look at the Old Testament, there are two main reasons why Jews um, believe that they are supposed to observe Sabbath. Anyone has, have an idea of what those two reasons are? Yes, in the Old Testament, two different reasons. Because God rested the creation story. Anyone imagine what the second might be? You think about the, um, the most important story in Jewish tradition is the Exodus, right? The freeing of the Jewish people from um, Egypt. And so in addition to a memorial as a creation to the world, uh, Jews also recognize that it's a memorial to, from the Exodus from Egypt, memorial to the Exodus from Egypt. It's um, an actual recognition that the Jews have been freed from slavery and so God has freed them from working every single day. Uh, you know, Exodus 31 is the, is the injunction which reminds us that, uh, therefore the Israelites shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, on the, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, tells, reminds us of the second uh, motif that justifies Sabbath celebration. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So for people who have, were oppressed for years and years and years, um, Sabbath is freedom. But it's interesting because 
these two reasons don't really seem, you know, of all of, of the laws and all of the commandments in Leviticus, there's not really much more in the, in the Old Testament about Sabbath observance. So um, what's fascinating is that as um, Jewish, uh, the Jewish religion um, morphs and molds, especially um, after the temple is destroyed and, and uh, the rabbinic Judaism begins to develop, the rabbis spend a whole lot of time talking about Sabbath observance. Um, like I've said, Yes, um, you're only supposed to collect a certain amount of manna per day. Yes. Oh, but you're supposed to gather enough um, so that you don't have to gather it on, yes, on, on Sabbath. That is right, yeah. So, yeah, there clearly it's a practice um, that's, that begins um, and that is recorded in the Old Testament. Um, but the, the, the development over time um, really, Sabbath becomes the central practice of Judaism, uh, especially uh, in exile as people are away from the temple, away from their central place of worship. The Sabbath is this portable tradition that you can have in your home, that you do with your friends and your family, so that no matter where they are, no matter who is in charge, who is oppressing them or not oppressing them, this practice continues. And... Um, just a basic description of what of what it looks like. You've got uh, a family coming together. They will do all of the preparations ahead of time um, because obviously you can't the prohibitions. You can't light a fire during Sabbath. So that in modern times that means you can't heat food up. Um, or I you know I, I can't remember all the exact um, requirements. But there's very little cooking you can do during the Sabbath. So the cooking happens ahead of time. Um, and then as light begins to fade, um, the Sabbath begins at sunset. And so a family, some observant Jews, may um, light the candles and then go to the synagogue for services. Some may choose to do it all at their home. Um, and it begins with a meal. It begins with uh, a blessing over the wine. If you've been to the Seder, you are familiar with the Kiddush, the blessing over the wine. There's a blessing over the bread. And then a really beautiful moment, the uh, family blesses each other. The tr tradition is that parents bless the children. And um, one of my, I had a rabbi who was a professor at BTS, and he said that in his family, their tradition also was for um, him, for he would bless his wife, and his wife would bless him. So this beautiful moment of blessing, there's the sharing of the meal. They go to bed. The next day they wake up. There are a lot of things you can't do, and I think often we think about the things that you can't do, but there are also things that they can do. And so um, they're encouraged to sing songs, to pray, to tell stories, to worship, eat, make love, and to nap. These are all um, beautiful, uh, recognized as um, actions that are allowed during the Sabbath. And if you look at the writings about Sabbath, they just can't keep back their joy when they write about it. Um, one person called it, uh, where did I put it? Um, a precious jewel have I in my possession. 
which I give to Israel, and Sabbath is, is its name. Sabbath is called a bride, a queen, and when, when she's called these things, you can even see that it's called a she. Sabbath is, um, to Jews, a spiritual reality that exists whether or not they observe it, whether or not they see it. Sabbath comes. It's a part of the rhythm of creation. So, the question is, how did this practice, which became so ingrained in Jewish life, so not become ingrained in a, in a part of our Christian life? I mean, we can look briefly at the history of Christian observance of the Sabbath. Um, first, let's talk about what Scripture says. Any, any recollection of what the New Testament says about, about Sabbath observance? You've got the moment when Jesus uh, is with his disciples in Matthew 12, and the Pharisees see them gathering grain. You remember that story? And uh, they tell them, you, you know, you shouldn't be gathering grain on this day. And Jesus says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So I think sometimes when we look at these New Testament uh, stories, we see what we hear is Jesus saying, well, maybe Sabbath observance isn't important, or we're not supposed to observe these specific laws. Um, it's interesting because some scholars say that um, Jesus, what he was accused of by the Pharisees of not gather, of how he's not supposed to gather the grain, that might not have actually been breaking Sabbath observance, but it's just part of um, kind of the polemic of, um, I think, a move against legalism really. Um, another in Mark 2, Mark chapter 2, um, Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, of course, the, the beautiful part, piece of tradition of Jewish observance of Sabbath is um, that it's a jewel, that it's a bride. But, of course, there is another side, which is that all of these prohibitions and all of these laws can turn to a kind of legalism. It can it is very tempting as humans to take joy out of things. <laughs> um, so I think that what Jesus is saying is that people are following the letter of the law to such a degree that they're not receiving any joy anymore during this experience. Um, but it's interesting because there's not a lot in the New Testament about Sabbath. I think that's why we struggle to think of, um, of instance, instances in the New Testament where it's talked about and I think that that's actually quite telling because um, you've got all these debates in the Acts of the Apostles. Um, you know, you've got Paul involved in all these debates that we can tell in the epistles. Um, they're arguing about circumcision. They're arguing about food laws. None of the Christian followers of Jesus are arguing about Sabbath observance. And some people say that's because probably Christians were still observing the Sabbath. You know, especially those who came from a Jewish background, they were probably still continuing with this tradition. Um, but at a certain point, as Judaism and as Christianity begin to go their separate ways and begin to want to distinguish from each other, there becomes a really big emphasis on Christian worship. The, the main day of Christian worship is obviously the Lord's Day, the day that Jesus was, resurrect, was rect, resurrected, which is which day of the week? The first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week. 
it's a work day. But uh, as Christianity begins to develop, as it becomes the national um, the religion of the empire, Constantine uh, declares that uh, Sunday Sabbath will indeed be a day of rest. Um, so you see Jews choose Saturday, Christians choose Sunday. Um, Christians are still resting. Uh, uh, during the Middle Ages, more and more prohibitions, more and more restrictions became common on Sundays um, before there weren't that many, and that was a reaction against uh, the barbarians who were flooding Europe and had um, clearly no um, practice of observing holiness, and so the Christians want to distinguish themselves from that. Uh, Charlemagne prohibited, that was the first time I think that work was actually prohibited on Sundays. Um, you've got the Reformation. Can you imagine what happens during the Reformation? Um, at this point, the church is now kind of obsessed with rule following, so you've got the Protestants um, reacting against that. So the Protestants don't want to observe Sabbath, um, but you've got the people that do, and then you've got splintering of all of these different denominations, all of these different um, ways of being Christian. So you have all of these different ways of observing Sabbath. There is no one way as Christians that we have discovered that we observe Sabbath. Um, we can't not mention the Puritans, of course. Um, the Puritans who, one of the reasons they came to the U.S., to America, was um, because of their strict observance of the Sabbath on Sundays. And of course, how many remember the blue laws? Many of, you know, most of them have gone away, but they still exist in a few places. And that, of course, is, um, harkens back to this puritanical view of uh, restrictive nature of the Sabbath. So, with all of these different um, ways or, you know, strains of Sabbath observance, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> um, you know, one person wrote that you can kind of look at it three ways as Christians. We can see Sabbath as the seventh day of the week, as Saturday, and we should observe it that way. Um, the Seventh-day Adventists are those that think this way. Um, Sabbath should be transferred to the first day of the week on a Sunday, and we should observe it. Um, that's kind of the puritanical uh, way of looking at Sabbath. And the third option um, is that the Sabbath can't be transferred from Saturday, and that um, as Christians we are freed from all aspects of Jewish law, and so we're not, we don't need to worry about the Sabbath. I'm actually not satisfied with any of these three options. <laughs> um, I think that there is another way. And I think that Sabbath observance is indeed vital and imperative for our health and our well-being as God's creation. Um, God created the world over a six-day period, and on the seventh day, he rested. That rhythm is built into all of God's creation. You look at, at um, the rest of God's creation, and it's pretty good at resting. You look at the seasons. Um, there are different times for growing. There are different times for lying fallow. Animals have got that down pretty well, too. Uh, those animals that hibernate, hibernate no matter what. Um, whether or not 
Um, it's, you know, for example, in the winter, whether or not it gets warmer, that animal is going to hibernate until the circadian rhythm um, is ready for it to wake up. So why can't we do that? <laughs> um, God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And I think that word remember is very important because we forget. We forget that we are supposed to rest. We forget that we are supposed to, um, that we are a part of God's creation and that part of working is also resting, that God's work was not complete until he rested. So resting is a piece of completing our work. How many of us think about our work and rest in that way? Um, one quote says, the Sabbath time can be a revolutionary challenge to the violence of overwork, mindless accumulation, and the endless multiplication of desires, responsibilities, and accomplishments. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement that not resting actually does violence. And I think that's true. It does violence to our bodies. How many of us will work continuously until um, our bodies get sick? And that's when we finally take a rest. Um, it's doing violence to ourselves and it's doing violence to our bodies. There is a rhythm to creation. There is a rhythm to our lives. And so I think that uh, we can learn a lot from this Jewish practice of Sabbath. Uh, we can learn that there's joy, that it's not just something that we have to do, you know? It's not a, an imperative in the sense that God commands us, and if we don't, you know, we're going to hell, et cetera, et cetera. It's that this is a joyful practice that God gives to us, that it's a gift, that it comes in its time, in its rhythm, and that, uh, you know, we're freed, thankfully, from these, from the laws that um, we, we don't have to observe Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday. It's certainly a beautiful way of doing it. Um, but we are free to discover Sabbath in the rhythms of our lives that make sense for us, in the seasons of our lives that we need it. Maybe there are some seasons where we are called to do more work, and then seasons when we are called to rest. But we just can't forget the rest. And the other pieces that I think we can learn from in terms of these Jewish practices is the focus on community, because it's really hard to do all this just by ourselves. Um, I love seeing the families walking through Rose Park together, walking. How can we make that a part of our own lives, to have the kind of accountability as a community, whether that's our family or a group of friends or here at St. John's? Um, I think it's a really powerful way of thinking about the Sabbath. Um, and we can take inspiration from the pieces of uh, Jewish observance of Sabbath. Um, I recommend a book to you. It's called, uh, um, I'll give you the title in a minute, but uh, <laughs> um, it, takes, it does just this. It takes inspiration from the, um, the practices that Jews have, lighting candles, blessing, eating meals together, walking, silence, all of these things we can make a part of the rhythm of our lives, I think, um, in ways that work for us and inspire us. Um, a quick story for you, and then a, um, a quotation from Jesus, and then I'll close and we can um, have a little discussion, some 
um, time for questions, or I can ask you questions, whatever works. Um, so uh, there is a story, um, a traditional Jewish tale that goes like this. Rabbi Levi saw a man running in the street and asked him, why do you run? He replied, I'm running after my good fortune. Rabbi Levi tells him, silly man, your good fortune has been trying to chase you, but you are running too fast. So Jesus tells us, come to me all who toil and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers us rest. So how can we find that rest in the midst of our busy lives?